Good afternoon, world. Recording live from Lucadia, North County, California. You're listening to Into the Blue Zone. And on today's show, we have special guest, Mr. Andy Latz. Mr. Andy, thank you so much for taking precious time out of your day, as I know it is freaking busy with how many kids? I got three kids. Three kids. So thank you for dedicating your little window of time to joining the super sweaty guest room that I have. (laughs) That is a studio. It is July 13th, I believe, and it is like 80 degrees inside this room. And with the headphones on, I'm sweating bullets already. I got an iced coffee here, so we shall see if we survive 30 minutes or an hour. Anyways, Andy. It's a pleasure to be here, Skylar. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think let's quickly just go over how we know each other. I think it's important before we jump into who you are, how we met, and you know, I'll let you kind of take that away. Sure. Sounds good. Uh, my kid was super bored and he wanted to do something. So I said, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, I don't know. And so I gave him some options. I said, you could do whatever you want. I'm like, let's go surfing. Nah, let's go play golf. He's like, nah. And he started to pick up that I wanted him to do things that I wanted to do. And then I'm like, no, 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 you could do whatever you want. Like, whatever you want, what do you want to do? I'm like, you could do Civil War reenactment for all I care. You just got to do something. And he's like, how about volleyball? And so uh, he he just walked into Wave, not really know how to play in volleyball, and then got on your team and had a blast. Well, I'm, good he, I'm glad he had a blast. Unfortunately, we missed Drew at Nationals. He apparently broke his toe. Junior guards, very dangerous out there, junior guarding. Oh, freaking uh, junior guards. A lot of rocks on the beach, and if you have runners on the beach with the rocks, sometimes toes and rocks get into conflict. Is Drew um, hopefully planning to play next year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to play at school. He wants to play at Wave. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's just waiting for like his growth spurt to kick in, to be honest. <laughs> but he's, he's psyching. Me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm five eight one fifty. One still, of these days, Skylar, you're gonna get to be six two. Still waiting for the growth spurt. <laughs> I feel like I'm an old soul. I feel old. I feel like I'm fifty or sixty years old in a in an eighteen year old's body. There you go. I guess it's a win win. I guess it's a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. So that's how we know each other, guys. We I coached Andy's son Drew, and then I would say two or three times out of the year, just kind of recently, the the season is 10 months long about, and I would say we didn't know each other because of COVID and because parents weren't coming to tournaments or to practices like for half the year. And then I think we hit it off a little bit. I asked to ride up with you one time, and then we went to Las Vegas before that and just getting to know you. And then kind of, of course, finding out about what you did and your career and you know how you're making it and then just who you are as a person you just seem like a really good guy and I wanted to have you on the show. Well, thanks, I appreciate that. So, now that the listeners know kind of our relationship which is is fairly short and hopefully, you know, fruitful and and you know, lasting with or without Drew playing volleyball because a lot of my relationships out here I always make the joke, my friends are 15 years old and 50 years old. <laughs> because I coach kids, yeah. a lot of my friends are like their parents. So yeah. it's good to have you in the in the circle and on the show. Andy, can you please tell us a little bit about where you're from, 
I'm a transplant from New Jersey. I've been in San Diego for nine years, since 2012. I graduated from High Point University. And just, I know you said you're from the Northeast, and I feel like we clicked a little bit there and just kind of who, where are you from? What's your story? Yeah, cool. So, um, <clears throat> well, I, I grew up in the Northeast suburbs of Boston. Uh, and me and my friends in high school always had this like California thing, right? We were the kids with the skateboard magazines and surf magazines and we'd pour over them and be like, man, all these looks like California is way better <laughs> than, than suburban Boston. And, uh, and then in sixth grade, this kid named Bruce Wyndham moved to town from California and we're like, dude, like, what's it like? California, that's a dream. It's Xanadu. And he had his own BMX bike and he built his own skateboards. And we were, we were so infatuated with what life in California being like. Fast forward, uh, I went to school to get a degree in engineering. My dad was an engineer. He's like, son, you could always get a job with an engineering degree. He was right. But man, what kind of boring jobs you can get with an engineering degree? Really, really boring options. And so I kind of sat around and looked around, thought about what I liked and hooked up uh, with Jake Burton at Burton Snowboards. Um, and at the time, it was a teeny industry, um, only about 25 people in the, co in the company. And uh, I hired, Jake hired me to make snowboards better. And that was the entire mission of the, 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 the company is make snowboarding better. And um, I had a snowboard again, my California infatuation. It's like I grew up a skier and I was like, wait, snowboarders look like they should have much more fun. I want to do that. And so ha having the, the opportunity to work in the industry for five or six years uh, really opened my eyes to what the action sports world is all about. I met a ton of great friends, did a bunch of fun stuff. And, uh, ultimately busted my knee snowboarding, which is kind of hard to do. So you give you an idea of like what kind of level snowboarder I am. I'm like that, that good. If you can like tear ACL snowboarding, it's like you got, you got a couple uh, things you got to work on with snowboarding. But in that the recovery period, staring at the ceiling for three weeks, I'm like, what am I going to do next? I can't be a snowboard guy forever. And that's when I decided I was going to go back to school, learn how to start a business. I'm not quite sure what business it was going to be at the time. I thought it was going to be a snowboard business. Um, and then came out of school through uh through the snowboard world you know i i knew this this guy named chad denena and uh he came to me with an idea for making watches and we went for it so we started nixon and we i moved to california to go to business school and then moved to encinitas in 97 to start nixon and been here ever since so uh how, how's that you i can yeah, that's let's, that's, let's that's basically going. where I'm coming from. So I got a you know, degree in engineering, uh, grad degree in, in business, action sports industry experience, and then throw all those things together with Chad's idea of, of what a watch company might look like. And we came up with Nixon. And then what is Nixon like? So, I, I don't even have a Nixon watch. Yeah. And I, I know out here in the extreme sports world, like Nixon's top of the line. I know my one buddy, Nate Allen. He works for UPS and apparently UPS gets like a big sale for Nixon watches. And he's like, you want me to buy you one? Like, just let me know. It's like 70 or 80% off. So what's Nixon for those who yeah, are so kind of under a rock? We, yeah, no worries. It's, um, we make watches, backpacks, headwear, um, accessories mostly. Uh, when we came into the industry, like mo there were great companies making equipment, great companies making apparel, great companies making footwear. And it just seemed like the watch category was this afterthought. And the watch watches in general are, are really cool objects, right? It's 
It's something that you could pass down to your kid. It's something that you could dress up with. It's something you can get information from. And it seemed like all the watches in our little world of action sports at the time uh, really didn't treat the consumer with the type of um, respect that we thought they should have. And so we built watches from scratch. Um, we, uh, yeah, we've been in Encinitas forever. Um, we're sold in over 70 different countries, mostly in action sports specialty stores, but also department stores and fashion boutiques online, of course. Um, and we work with some of the, the sports biggest people, biggest athletes to, to help us guide the product direction. So we'll sit down with pro surf, snow and skateboarders and say, hey, well, what do you like? Um, and they, they, uh, they share their points of view and then we try to make it happen. So all of our products are custom built. We don't just go buy them off the shelf and put our logo on them. We do the product development process, uh, from scratch, um, and try to give folks something they've always wanted, but they've never seen before, which is a cool timepiece that expresses their personality that doesn't break, uh, and, uh, can become meaningful to them, not just in delivering time, but maybe that's where I bought it or I gave it to a gift or somebody gave that to me. Or when I was on this trip, some other sort of benefit to the, to the person owning it. Yeah. I think for me, I'm not a huge watch guy, although what you did talk about how watches can bring you back to someone or a time in your life. I've been gifted several watches. Mm -hmm. So my watch collection is small and very valuable. Yeah. Um, my, my grandfather, I have his watch. I have a watch from the high point university women's volleyball team as a gift. Cool. And I have a watch from another parent who, who makes watches, uh, shout out to JJ Mullen and Mullen construction. And yeah, I mean, I guess along with love times the, one of the essence to our kind of being, I mean, love and time, that's kind of all we have. And it's nice to have something that, I mean, your watch right now matches your shirt. Yeah. It matches the mic. It's a, it's a gray and black Nixon and it looks sharp, pretty casual. Well, this guy too is uh, made of recycled ocean plastics and is solar powered. So this thing is wow. part of our, so the next chapter for Nixon is really to lean into sustainability and make sure that we take as much of ocean bound plastics out of their ocean boundness and put them into products that people like. And so that's this band, this watch, this uh, case is all made of um, ocean bound recycled plastic. It was pretty cool. I mean, our goal in the next six months is to take 500,000 water bottles out of circulation and into our product. Like actual water bottles. Yeah. Like recycle that, that would end up in a, in, in the ocean into our products. So that's, that's amazing. Watch bands, watch cases, uh, reprieve ocean plastics in our backpacks, uh, things like that. So that material is made out of yeah, water bottles? Yeah. Let me take right a close there, yeah. look at it. So um, I'm just fascinated by the look of this watch and then the fact that you just said it's made out of recycled water bottles. Yeah. I actually went to a sustainability is sexy event. <laughs> um, this, this girl... Um, who I ran into, she's like creating her own dog business, um, recycled dog treats out of compostable food. Hmm. Um, so there was like a cool sustainability is sexy, like group. Yeah. Maybe Nixon should partner up with them yeah. or vice versa. Cause we like to think. That the yeah. This thing's super sexy. sharp. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I usually don't check out watches. I guess when you have the watch guy on the podcast, you're going to, you're going to have to check you're gonna out gonna his watch. To. Yeah. How many watches do you have? Uh, Nixon or me personally? Do you have more or less watches than Eric Gilmer has 
sneakers. Oh no, or Tommy he, Ryan. He's he's a collector. Yeah, those guys are those guys are according to their stuff. No, my my. I guess I'm more of a, a uh, you know, a business person, a startup guy, an entrepreneur than I am like an actual like watch fetishist, fetishist, right? I love them. I think they're great. Um, I there's a few of them that I have in my collection that you know I hope I never uh, have to part with, and they mean a lot to me. But uh, no, I'm not. As you might be able to tell by my just thrown on appearance here, it's like I'm not the fashion plate. I'm not even wearing underwear, <laughs> you know, throwing on appearance. I'm, I got a black V-neck and that's the best part of North County, San Diego. It's like the most, it's, it's the most casual place with the most amount of money. Yeah. I mean, like you could rock sweatpants year round morning and afternoon or board shorts and you could be anyone you want here. Yeah. Whereas, you know, coming from the Northeast, like. It's not that casual. Mm-mm. No, a little you're, bit stricter. Yeah, your pants, jackets, you know, actually getting dressed up like most places in the in the country out here. It's like Viore sweats right. and joggers and shorts and well, yeah, you're not no wearing, shirt. You're not even wearing shoes. I'm yeah. not even wearing shoes. No yeah. big deal. It's hot. Yeah, uh, but 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 this this is the thing that's changing the watch industry, right? So years ago, people were like, "Why do you need a watch? I just look at my phone to tell the time." And so a lot of people have thrown away their watches because of that. Um, but what we realize, it's sort of like, you know what, you're going to have your watch. You might have a Fitbit or your Whoop or whatever. But what do you want to do when you don't want to connect? <laughs> you want to disconnect, but you actually do need to know what time it is to get out of the water, maybe. Yep. By the way, pro tip, if, you're, if I ever see you in the lineup and you ask me what time it is because you're noticing I'm wearing a watch and you're not wearing a watch, I'm going to tell you at least 20 minutes into the future. So say it's six o'clock. You say, hey man, what time is it? It'll be like, oh, it's about 6.20. Then sure enough, like everybody's like, oh shit, I'm going to be late. <laughs> they, they hightail it and they get out of the lineup. Wow. So yeah, pro tip. When wow. you're asking somebody in the lineup at what time it is and it happens to be me, I, I might not be completely I think truthful. Gonna, I think I'm going to use that pro tip. That's, <laughs> I was going to ask you a key to life. I think there you, you just kind of- Get the guys out of the lineup the without watches. It's like listening. <laughs> I'm trying to be a better listener. Mm-hmm. And I just have to listen to you and I didn't even have to ask the question. And okay, lie. It's okay to lie. Just a white a white lie. Twenty minutes in advance to get your get your waves, mm-hmm. get your wave count up and, and not battle. The the surfing culture in in North County, San Diego, and I don't I haven't really surfed anywhere else, so I can't speak to like Costa Rica or Hawaii. It, it seems more territorial than I thought it'd be. Maybe like just the competitiveness in the country and by the coast. What was it like? When did you come out to California? Just let's back up a little bit. Yeah. You were kind of talking about your buddy Wyndham and like you were thinking about California. When was that? And when did you move here? Oh yeah. I mean, the California thing. Well, I'm going to date myself because I'm, I'm an old guy, right? You said 15 and fifties. It's like, I'm in the fifties. And back when the Lakers and the Celtics were playing, uh, it was like, whoa, LA. You know, it was basically, this is an R-rated show, right? Yes. It's like, fuck LA. Yeah. Like, we're going to beat LA. It was like, and oh, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of like, well, yeah, LA is this vapid sort of, you know, Hollywood spheres I don't care about. But then, like, the skateboarders, you know, what they were doing and the, and the surf magazines, it's like, man, it just looks more America to me than my America, right? It looks like new things are high, more highly valued than traditional things and attitudes around trying something new we sort of were freer than than back back east and uh um the first time i remember coming to california was for a trade show in, in action sports and 
I was like, man, this is, it's, it's what they, what I read about. Like, this is great. Um, and then I tried to get to California a few times, but working in the snowboard industry in Vermont, like, uh, that was kind of the place to be in the snowboard industry, quite frankly. I mean, Burton's, I thought was the number one, I think they're the number one company for ever in snowboarding. And I wanted to be a part of that. Uh, so when it came time to think about going to grad school, I'm like, they've got grad schools in California, don't they? I'm like, where can I go that has, you know, access to surf and access to snowboarding? And so, um, that's where, that's well, that's when I made my move. I'm like, finally, I'm going to go. Uh, and so I came out, we, I went to Stanford and, and taught my business school class how to surf at, in Santa Cruz and taught them all how to snowboard up at Donner Ski Ranch, um, one day. And it was super fun. It was really fun. And, um, you know, talk about, you know, getting the spirit of wanting to do anything, you know, Silicon Valley in the late nineties, it's like the first dot com thing happening. It was, it was bonanza. It was just absolutely crazy. I mean, you couldn't, I remember we went to the dentist and the guy's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm in business school and I'm thinking about starting a company. He's like, can I invest? And I'm like, you're, you just looked at my teeth and asked me one question. You want to invest in my company? You know nothing about anything. It's like, it was just crazy time. The first sort of wave of crazy time. And, uh, but it did sort of cement in me the, the, the feeling that if I'm going to do something, I want to do something entrepreneurial. I want to start something. So California was the place that felt like the safest almost in terms of entrepreneurship. Um, and also just a place that I'd always kind of, I kind of lusted after where I wanted to live. Uh, so when Chad brought me this idea and he said, what do you think about watches? Um, so let's give it a go. Let's, I know I've been to Cardiff before, you know, I used to, um, come out to the ASR show. Uh, actually the first time I ever went surfing was at Cardiff reef, um, as a 25 year old, you know, nor pasty white snowboard guy. Uh, our rep took us there and I, that was just too much fun. So yeah, I mean it's California is um I don't know, to me it's it's linked with not only action sports but also entrepreneurship. And and that was kind of the the cross section, you know, the the intersection that I was at at that point in time too in 97. So uh, uh I moved here full of vim and vigor and saying, yeah, let's let's get after it. And when what what year was that? That was 97. 97 you got here. And yeah. was back Go back to the surf culture. Oh, uh, surf culture at that for, time? For me, I feel like the surf, surf culture has like gotten more territorial because there's obviously more people moving to the coast and yeah. more people surfing and there's not more waves. So like supply demand, is it just me or like- You know what? Uh, my, I, you could have a couple bad experiences in anything you do. Yeah. It's I, not just surfing. I just feel like, I mean, I live right across from the street from Beacons Beach and I go out and it's just really mellow and- I feel like it could be more fun. I know. It depends on what kind of, what your kook level is, right? It's like, if yeah. you're just going to go out there and amp and try to drop in on folks and think you're really yeah, good, yeah. you know, I think you're going to get vibed no matter where you go. Totally. Um, I, I'm not that guy. <laughs> and if, if again, like I'm not that good of a snowboarder, I'm an even worse surfer, but I love being in the water and I'll get out of the way. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, the, the time in my life when I surfed the most, I probably surfed five or six times a week, every morning before work. And, uh, Surfed at this one place in Cardiff, and it probably took like three, four, five months of like just showing up every day before people would actually like give me the hey, hey, what's up? 
Yep. You know, so it's yep. I, I found it to be actually very similar to living in a in a resort town in New England at a ski resort town, right? It's like we were minutes from Stratton Mountain. I know it's not Vale, but it's it's really nice. It's nice by East Coast standards, uh, but it's a mountain town, right? And so the first season you're there, everybody's there, kind of working seasonally. Then you're through a summer, people are like yeah. You know, I don't know, these guys are coming out, coming out of town. And then the second season you're there, they kind of notice you and you, you've lived through a, a, a second summer. By the third season, people are like, hey, man, what's up? And then they, and then you finally like, East Coast is a little hard to get to know people. But yeah. I found the same thing to be true, you know, in the lineup in Cardiff. It's sort of like, you know, it took a while before people were like, okay, this guy is part of the community, right? We shouldn't be a dick to him. He's not just here to take waves. He's like, here, part of the community. I might run into him in the grocery store. And at that point, you know, I didn't know anybody's names, but I knew, you know, you kind of knew all the characters and people were really kind of warm and welcoming. So I think it's a matter of your personal style. Now, when I go surfing, I'm old. I just don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> like I'll get out of your way and the young guys get the good waves, but uh, I'm out there just to be in the environment, right? So if somebody's going to vibe, it's like, go vibe somewhere else it's just don't vibe on me um so i don't know it, i think it has changed it feels though now when i go out out to the beach and not even surf it feels like uh, there's a lot of folks that are tolerant of the people that are just learning and maybe this is a post-covid thing you know where it's sort of like let's just tolerant of everybody that's still alive you know like yeah. and we're out in interacting with people and we collect we can you know be with other folks that maybe that's it but i don't know it seems like there's people that are good and there's people that are not so good and and uh the tolerance for the people that aren't so good to me is a lot higher than it was maybe a year or two ago well that's good i yeah the post-covid thing everyone's mm -hmm. just a little more grateful to be in the water and like social connection like seeing faces and picking up on vibes where people are having fun just getting after it whether you have a foamy and you have your fin on backwards, which, yeah. which I did, you know, I think maybe I've seen that brain, more than once. Is I, that a thing? Like, uh, uh, yeah. you know, rookie mistake, <laughs> I guess I'm, I was the biggest kook, you know, it's so funny. Your brain always kind of tends to go more towards the negative things. I mean, I coach volleyball, right. And it's like you say, don't and mm -hmm. what not to do. And you remember like the errors in a big game as opposed to like maybe all the great plays yeah, because like they just get magnified the bigger the game, it's like, you just can't mess up instead of like make the plays. I think that's just how humans are wired, not mm -hmm. me, most of us. So my surf experiences back to the surfing, like I had a fin on backwards and like little kids are laughing at me, like with my wave storm. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. Like, and then you, you, you go out another time and some guys rip in and he's like, look, look down the, the lineup, bro. And he's splashing you. Yeah. And you're just like, oh my God. And then another time you're like, your hamstrings cramping up and it's no joke. Like you got to get out there and practice. I have a fat bump on my shin right here. Mm -hmm. um, just getting better, caught a good wave and, you know, tried to jump off the board and just got whacked. And it's like three, four days old. And it's, it's like, that's significant. I, yeah. It was like pulsing. I've been standing <laughs> on my feet the last two days coaching volleyball in Huntington beach. And like, I could feel the swelling just going off in my shin. So <laughs> I think again, I, I've gotten better, you know, I guess the more you do it, the more you're going to have encounters in, in anything. So uh, the, the surf culture, it, it's warming up. Like you said, I go to Beacons here a lot mm -hmm. and I'm starting to see the same people and it's like the third year. And I think part of that is like, if you live in such a great bubble or an area, like you're very protective or you embrace, maybe not protective and territorial, you just, you enjoy living there Yeah. so much so that you stay there and that you recognize almost everyone there. Like it's a big community it's a small community i should say and 
I, I think you were talking like in LBI, I grew up going to Long Beach Island, LBI. And, you know, I go to the same beach every year growing up as a kid. And like you knew everyone who went to that beach and you mm-hmm. could spot every tourist and out of towner mm-hmm. who was there for the day or the weekend. And I feel like that's kind of here in Lucadia. And, you know, I moved here only three years ago and um, riding my e-bike up and down the 101. And you start seeing the same people who work here, mm-hmm. who live here on the same bike during COVID. When people were walking around, you saw the same faces and it, it's a, it's a special community. And when you have one that's good, you know, embrace it because I'm learning like it's really important. You live in a good area. You know, if you're maybe not with some family or whatever, like mm-hmm. where you live, super important because my lifestyle and quality of life is super high because of that. Well, and also you're going to just be with other people that share the same values, right? Where it's sort of like, wow, there's people that you meet, your your friends, whatever will will have that same kind of value system. But back to the surfing and the territorialism, there's another thing that I think that compared to 97 when I was here till now is is the not you know not the crowds changing and the situation changing but me changing is that you know there's only a finite number of waves, right? And so there is like a limited there's this limited sort of like, you know, win or lose, like zero sum kind of thing about surfing where the wave comes it's like you're paddling for it same with three or four other guys it's sort of like who's actually in the right position who should get it and if you're in the right position you don't get it oh, everybody's bummed uh, yeah. if you're in the second <laughs> position third position you get it and you can't kick out like everybody's bummed so it's like this this feeling of scarcity right that that um pr- promotes i think that kind of you know competitiveness and that territorial it's like no if like if you're here the chances of me actually getting a wave is less so I don't want you to be here. So yeah, it's 6.20. It's time for you to get out of the water, which I will do. But the other part of it is, you know, if you can then like just be stoked on somebody else getting a wave, like now you're, that's a recipe for just being stoked and finding joy and going surfing, whether you get 10 waves or two, because somebody's not wave. And then I, I guess I've, I've just more and more appreciated and found joy out of other people dropping it, getting away, having a good time. You know, nothing stokes me out more than watching a guy drive by in a convertible on a sunny day with the top down. Like, that guy's so stoked right now. Like, he's using his convertible for what it should be used. Same thing with people sitting on balconies. I don't know why it stokes me out so much, but it's like, yeah, you know, you have a balcony. Like, you want to be thinking about sitting there watching the sunset. Then you see people on the balcony watching the sunset. Yeah, those people are so stoked, right? And and getting that sort of, like, connected connected human to human sort of shared joy it's one of the things i love about snowboarding it's a very individual sport but it's so much more fun to do in a crew yeah you know and so i don't know like if i'm out there surfing think about it in the other extreme instead of a million people out there think about you just by yourself right and you're surfing and you get all these waves I don't know. My bet would be there's probably a nice sweet spot where it's sort of like you get all the ways you want and other people get ways, yep. but it's still a sort of a shared experience instead of like this individual experience. Um, I don't know. There's some, that's definitely a post-COVID thing because now, you know, you go to the ball. I went to the ball game a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, man, like me and 42,000 of my friends are here and everybody's friendly and in line. And yeah, it's, you're waiting for stuff, but it's not like the, the bummer of it. It's like the cool piece of it, of a, of a, of a crowd. Yeah, I I see that with like a runner. Like if I'm on a run and he's just like totally crushing it and like either going super fast or jamming out, like you're like that guy's killing his run. The surfing, same deal. It's and, and yeah, sharing the experience with other people for me is like what life's all about. I invest a lot into people, yeah, and, and relationships, and 
you know, I think that's kind of at the end of the day, you know, whether it's our family or our closest friends, you know, that's kind of all we have. We're, we're, we're given the, the cards we're dealt. And then like, who do you surround yourself with? And then who do you share those super awesome experiences with? And then who do you jump out of a fucking helicopter and, and snowboard with, mm-hmm. you know, that's like the inner circle stuff. Yeah. I can't wait to go hella, hella, what is hella it? Skiing? Hella skiing. Yeah. How many times have you done that? Oh, I've done that three times. And That's, I've been snowboarding for a long time. So it like it's yeah, it's a lot you of know, time. they say like don't give dogs human food because once they've had human food, they're never gonna eat dog food again. Yeah. So it's the same thing. It's like be careful because once you go heli skiing, it's gonna get tough to be back on a resort. Because I, it's so good. My my brain immediately thinks to playing golf because my parents live in the landings club. Another shout out to the landings in Savannah, Georgia. And my dad has his own golf cart. So we just put on the clubs in the garage. We just go right to the golf course, you know, two minutes away or or 10, 15 minutes away in the golf cart. And we just hop on the course and play. And they have six golf courses. And it's totally ruined. Six. It's totally ruined golf. Even in San Diego and Southern California, even playing like Torrey Pines, La Costa, um, Loma Santa Fe, Encinitas Ranch. Like there's six beautiful golf courses. It's six. amazing. They all kind of resemble the Masters vibe. Some of them are on the coastline, like overlooking the marshes. I mean, six beautiful golf courses. I, I just equate that to your hella skiing experience where like you get this like awesome, you know, thing that you love to do. And then it's like as good as it ever could be. It's really never going to recreate. It's hard to recreate the wheel. Almost yeah. almost impossible to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Like you can mix people in that you share that next hella skiing event with. And like who I golf with, it just has to be at the landings. <laughs> like for you, like yeah. it's just such good golf where, yeah. you know, I'm actually trying to put together a, a brother's reunion with some actual brothers from my fraternity, Pi Kappa Alpha. And we're going to go to Colorado because we have a big 12 bedroom house and, and catch up. Like you said, it's more fun to ski snowboard with a crew yeah i went with my buddy for the third straight year back in april for my birthday and we were like kind of going down each run and then we get split up and like the next run you're going down you're like this isn't as fun like where is he and that was just with one guy and so i'm I'm looking forward to kind of getting the boys out there and you know getting a big crew that we haven't seen in many years but even i mean if you can find joy in watching your your friends get the wave Right. So even a stranger, right? It's like, I think your surf session or your snowboard session, your golf round, any, all of that's just going to be way more enjoyable. Cause it's like, yeah. It's just more fun to do it with your closest friends. Yeah. It's like you go golfing, um, you know, surfing, you go out by yourself or you go with a couple of people. Golf, you could go out by yourself and then be with Mm -hmm. a couple other people for like four hours and it could suck. Yeah. Or it could be good. Like golf and all these things running, like, Obviously, you're not talking to random people running, cycling. You're not talking to people, you know, cycling right. or swimming. You know, there's a certain social element to like golf and surfing um, where if you're with, you know, three other great friends, like your golf game, I think we talked about this on, on one of our car rides. Mm-hmm. Like the golf is way more fun, whether yep. you do bad or, or do well, as opposed to like going out by yourself or playing well or, or going surfing by yourself. You're like, yeah, it's really fun. And it's just like, huh. yeah. Yeah, it was cool, but you didn't share it with anybody, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I had a friend, it's completely off topic, but it is, well, maybe it's, maybe it's not. Um, so a friend of mine, actually a friend of my late wife's, was the press secretary for George Bush. And they worked together. They had different political views, but they were friends. And 
she was, you know, had an office in the White House. And she's like, hey, you got to come out. You got to come out. I'll, I'll show you around. So we went out there. We showed her around. We're like, what? What? What's it like? Like the red phone on your desk and all that kind of stuff. She's like, hey, the advice that I got was if you're doing something that you know is going to end, which, by the way, everything's impermanent, right? But you know it's going to end. And it's amazing. And the, the way to really enhance that is to share it. And so that's the thing. I love having people come down to visit us. You know, it's like I love going surfing with somebody or playing golf with somebody because it's like, this is really, really good. And to be kind of more in the moment, it's like you're sharing it with somebody else. It's like, hey, you're seeing this, right? Like we're experiencing this together, right? So it's it's easier to be in the moment with another set of eyes, but then you have that experience to share with that other person. So I don't know. It's I think there's a lot of different things to be said for those. You know, I was a, I was a competitive swimmer growing up, and we were on a team, and and you know you you have relays and things like that. But it wasn't like what you I've seen from volleyball, where it's sort of like you're on a team, like you're picking each other up, you're making mistakes, you you're not you know it's like it's it, you know you're working together, you you get collective, you get individually better, you you get collectively better. So I think that that is a great example and. Uh, you know, it's something that you you probably don't give yourself enough credit for in terms of like promoting that kind of interaction between humans and how joyful that really is. Um, so I think there's a side benefit from just getting a good team together and winning. Yeah, the the whole team. Good lesson. The whole team thing. You know, growing up playing sports, growing up outside of Philadelphia, and just kind of eat, breathe, sleep Philadelphia sports. I mean, I feel like mankind is just a big team. Hmm. It's just the biggest team, and you know there's more squeaky wheels and more fires to put out just because it's a numbers game. Life's just a numbers game. And you know, it's like, if there's one thing the listeners can take away from this, I think it's your awesome outlook on like enjoying other people's successes or witnessing that with another person or watching them accomplish something, you know, in front of you as much as you doing it. And I think, you know, for the listeners, like, Whatever it is you're doing next, whether it's working out or going out to have a drink or having coffee or whatever, and like someone's vibing, like just appreciating that you are doing it alongside of them, even Mm -hmm. though you don't really know them, Mm -hmm. like you're both like-minded. And there's a lot of like-minded people in, you know, California, especially North County, San Diego, where it's like health, fitness, um, doing shit instead of just watching people do stuff Mm -hmm. and like, you know, the individualistic approach to like what I'm doing, like, Hey, I could just do anything I want, I think has grown in America much mm-hmm. more than, you know, definitely anywhere else in the world. And and probably on the West coast, much more than the East coast, even though America and then the coastlines, everyone's pretty, you know, gotten the, the memo, like you could be anyone you want to be, mm-hmm. which I think is super special. And we, we take it for granted sometimes, and then we don't take advantage of it other times. Um, just kind of bringing people together, creating that team atmosphere is what I love to do. And it's just like the environment where I see it's most successful, which is professional sports. Yeah. Like growing up with pro sports all the time, like I was saying, and, and you were, you were alluding to, you know, you following the the Celtics. I'm sure you're a Red Sox fan. Have to be. And, and pa- Patriots <laughs> fan. Patriots is kind of more of a question mark, huh? Because it's like, there's a lot. I mean, I just went back. I just came from back east and I'm sitting in my brother-in-law's house and he's got a Gronk jersey on from Tampa Bay. And I'm like, yo, I mean, are you a Patriots fan or a Gronk fan? I mean, it's what not to like about Gronk, I guess. But uh, yes, Patriot. I mean, I joke with people. It's like, it's probably the same thing in Philly. It's like in the hospital where they where you get born on the 
birth certificate, there's a little checkbox. It's like, I'm not going to let you take this kid out of the hospital till you promise that you're going to raise this kid as a Celtics fan, a Patriots fan, a Bruins fan, a Red Sox fan. It's like, yep, you got to check the boxes. And then it's like, you're, life, you're a lifer. You're in. So, and that, that part of it too is, I mean, bringing it back to what we were talking about is that not just team sports and the collective collective learning, but also just, I mean, now is, why do you watch sports? I mean, you know, to, to see... That dude, who was that dude that just hit a grand slam as a pinch, as a the second at major league yeah, at bat? A Padres it, pitcher. Yeah, come, what a crazy stat. I you mean, know, or, or Joe Musgrove pitching a no-hitter. Like, I don't know. There's something to be like, yay, yay for our team. Like, our team's good. But I don't know. I think that there's, uh, uh, you know, it's more sort of like, how stoked are you for that guy? Like, super stoked. Like, yeah, there you like, get a I lot of joy. That guy. Yeah. Or, or it's like, <laughs> hey, so good for him. Like, that's good for all of us if that guy has a little bit of a, st- uh, you if know. We're all yelling. If 40,000 of us are yeah. yelling. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm not very religious. Um, and like, for me, going to like an Eagles Normally, game, as soon as it's what comes after that, I'm not very religious, but let me tell you my views. <laughs> Sorry. I was well, just messing with you. I'm Jewish. And uh, yeah, you get teased for it wherever you are. Um, and it was it was good teasing, uh, looking back on it. I think that's just growing up as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then like I just went to synagogue a couple times and really never went to church. And I was just like, okay. And it was like you're you're dressed up in a suit and it's just like a two and a half hour service. It was painful. Like mm-hmm. I'm a kid. Like I don't yeah, I can't yeah. believe like people would voluntarily want to do that no matter what they're talking about. And then you go to like an Eagles game and there's seventy thousand people cheering and seeing that camaraderie. And the joy with mm-hmm. that many people all the time, yeah, year round. I was like, it's basically a religion, mm-hmm. you know. The Northeast sporting, at the the San Diego and California sports culture is definitely lackluster. It's pretty average compared to the New York, Philly, Boston, even Chicago. I just don't see the support, even though yeah. like the Raiders fans and the Niners fans, you know, Philly had three stadiums with parking lots connected to all of it. Mm-hmm. So it's just like you go to these games as a kid. And it's like, wow, everyone's so happy or so bummed yeah. watching sports. It's never scripted. So I love that. And then just seeing the joy and like, you mm-hmm. know, everyone chanting E-A-G-L-E-S, <laughs> Eagles, and like singing a fucking fight song. Yeah, right. And then you lose and everyone's so depressed for a week or two. I think it's it was such a great time being able to go to so many events that it's like, kind of like Savannah golf. My dad spoiled me. Mm-hmm. I can't recreate the professional sports scene. No matter how hard I try all, all three or four Philly teams were good growing up. Mm-hmm. We had season tickets to the Eagles flyers and Phillies at, you know, the same time in my life. And I went to a super bowl. I went to all the playoff games, like playoff hockey games. I went to a world series game, been to so many events, so many losses, so many wins. Like I feel like religion, God, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You don't need to go to a temple or a church to like be connected because you go to these sporting events year round and there's probably plenty of religious people that are not going to church that are going to Eagles games <laughs> and are like, hey, I'm religious. Yeah. God's there. Like, yeah. like I'm going to go sing a fight song, freeze my balls off and you know, win or lose, like ride or die and do it year round. I totally do not think it's healthy. I think growing up in that scene, um, it's kind of like a lot's out of your control mm-hmm. and you're like glued to a TV, killing time and investing so much of your life like my dad did and so many other Philly sports fans. <laughs> and then you're like, man, well, we won one Super Bowl, <laughs> like 80 years. Like I'm 31. I've seen two championships. Yeah. yeah that's pretty, 
pretty weak. Stick with that. it. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not watching many games, and obviously all the playoff games, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch. Like I watched the Sixers runs, and mm-hmm. you know I just I don't think I'm a fair weather fan. I just had such a like satisfying euphoric upbringing with Philly sports right. that it's like so hard to match that. Like I can't waste my time watching regular season sports. And it, well, yeah, and it's to, to your to your point, it, the, the level of sports from from Philly is, you know, a, at a religious level like people it's deep-seated beliefs but also there's the sort of the holiness of the human connection right it's like maybe if if religion's purpose is to to connect us well to your to your to your example it's sort of like well there's seventy two thousand people eagles fans like psyching right now it's like aren't isn't that a level of holiness of human connection that's probably pretty good super special like when you're high-fiving people yeah like that you don't even know or you become friends with people just because they sit next to you Mm -hmm. um it's special. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's, it's, it's such a cool atmosphere. And, you know, I actually, you're one of the first people to come into this room. I got a Brian Dawkins jersey framed. Shout out to B Doc, Weapon <laughs> X. I don't know if you've ever watched Brian Dawkins play. Unless, uh, unless he's playing with Tom Brady. No, I'm not paying attention. Okay. He's, <laughs> he, he's, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess you, you watch the one the where one they got bet. us yeah. in 04. Um, because I was at that Super Bowl in Jacksonville. I mean, Dawkins was an absolute nut. I mean, this guy was like a caged lion. He would come out yelling at the ball, and I was there, like first row in the end zone during warmups with my Dawkins jersey on, and he would be like, just so radical and so intense mm-hmm. that like I try to coach these kids, and like they just don't get what I saw as a kid, like, right? Like I can't explain to them like my my favorite player was like the most craziest badass dude mm-hmm. who hit people as hard as he could, and then like off the field, he's a he's a very religious, uplifting, inspiring person. And then I try to like think about him and like if you don't know him or you didn't watch football, it's really hard to uh, you know associate like where I'm coming from and mm-hmm. put yourself as a kid. Like I'm like expecting them to be super intense. Like my upbringing is like Philly sports and then I'm coaching like North County soft California boys in volleyball and like I'm like dive and do this that and just my background is like watching Brian Dawkins like knock fucking Algie Crumpler out (laughs) in the (laughs) NFC championship game and it's like 30 degrees and Algie Crumpler I think got knocked out of that game and after watching two NFC championship losses in a row we finally won and uh, and then lost to the Super Bowl but the Brian Dawkins jersey's framed and then behind me um, maybe even more of an important figure in sports is Jackie Robinson. He, he was like, even though I was far from being able to see Jackie Robinson perform by way too many years, unfortunately, he was just like, to me, such a, a role model and an icon and just like a guy who I couldn't even fathom like what he had to deal with mm-hmm. um, during that time. I mean, what a badass dude. I think he like, I think he was a varsity um, four sport UCLA mm-hmm. uh, athlete. I think he, um, I like wrote a paper on him as a kid. Anyways, I got this jersey from Mitchell and S and just got it framed. So I just think he's like really inspiring and, you know, to break the color barrier in baseball yeah. with racism at an all time high. Yeah. I think that takes more balls than, you know, anyone else has. Yeah. No, totally. I, yeah. I mean, that's, I think it's, it's good. I mean, it's, it's a great, it's a great reminder of sort of like the, the, the power of sport, the power of, um, grace, 
you know, he's probably graceful in the, his approach and, and the, you know, the, the unstoppable amount of progress that needs to happen. Um, and that's a good, he's a great example of that. So kind of going forward with some progress that needs to happen. I was talking to a friend and then the other week I got a ticket going through a couple stop signs, like 15 miles an hour on my e-bike. Hammered. I'm like, were you hammered? The worst part is I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to wave beach practice. Yeah. I'm, I'm riding along the coast. There's no one out at like 8.20 in the morning. You're just blowing through stop signs. I'm going like 15 on an e-bike. Yeah. Like I'm like, oh my fucking God. This cop pulls me over on his motorcycle and you know he ends up writing down my age wrong and he just can't do math. And I just feel like the police force and what happened with George Floyd and all this other stuff, there's, there's always two sides to every story. And I don't know all the details to really any of these stories. Mm-hmm. I just know kind of, you know, what what they disclose and, and just what's on the surface. I don't dig too deep into what really happened. I just feel like the police force need to get paid more and we need to up our standards. And like guys like him, you know, he could warn me and like, hey, way to wear a helmet. Like you need to slow down. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, blah, blah, blah. Like there's been a lot of bike accidents. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm riding for my safety by going through these stop signs, getting ahead of cars. Mm-hmm. I've never been in a car accident. Uh, I don't want to get hit on a bike. I just watched some real sports episode how the Northeast and cities are like having bike and car arguments. And I'm like, the last thing I want to do is get hit by a car on my bike. So I'll take all the tickets by the cop who can't do math Mm -hmm. um, to avoid getting hit. You know, I'm riding for my safety. It's just, I feel like the progress you just alluded to, you know, a minute ago, one topic I just wanted to throw out was like, the police force and like they should be getting paid more standards should be high you should have to be a, a gnarly top top line person to be like a police officer mm-hmm. because you know you have the power you have you know the authority over people you could say anything and then you have a gun and yeah the repercussion doesn't seem like it fits the action all the time even though that one guy did get you know life life in jail right and i mean i think which one no the the george floyd case he got 22 and a half years. 22 and a half years. Yeah. I mean, I feel like anyone else is getting, there's a whole ton of action going on outside between the train and a helicopter. Yeah. So he got 22 years. 22 and a half. Yeah. I think there's a lot harsher punishment for, you know, anyone else. It's just, that can't happen. Like there's zero tolerance for that. And then you make an example of that guy because that's what life's about. Like making examples of people to set standards. Well, the eye opening thing about that whole episode for me was I, be- I believe now that that kind of stuff is happening all over the place all the time. And if it wasn't for the cell phone video, it would have happened. You, 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 I don't know if you got a chance to read like the original police report. Sort of like, oh yeah, the guy, guy was struggling and then he, I mean, if you read like the three or four sentences of what the actual original police report was for George Floyd before the video came out, You'd be like, yeah, this is how everything just gets swept under the rug and and guys like Chauvin continue to operate. Uh, so it's, I think that's the power. One of the great things about the power of that whole experience is, is a complete tragedy, but also, you know, hopefully a collective understanding that, that that's happening all over the place all the time. It's still happening. And there's got to be a lot of reform in order to make sure those those episodes um, are known, you know, and, you know, hats off to the 
to the jury and to the to the judicial system to really pin it on Chauvin to the to the police department to say this is one of our own and he doesn't represent the values in the way that, that our morals and he's going to jail for a long time. I, I think he probably he had nineteen prior, you know, complaints against him, right? Like that's bananas, right? It, so how is he still right. how, operating? Right. How is he still on duty? Like so, the, it's, it's it's the asshole. And I watched this movie Fatherhood with Kevin Hart last night. Yeah, and and the boss is the asshole, and then there's an asshole above the asshole. It's just mm-hmm. an asshole chain, right? Kevin Hart's in this in this meeting with his boss, and he's like, "You're firing me." He's like, "No, I'm not doing that." Anyways, like the guy above Chauvin and the guy above him, like those leaders need to be better. Mm-hmm. And like, how I don't have any answer in like creating a better police system except like paying more like money yeah. talks and those guys don't get paid enough for the risk like i wouldn't be a police officer because of you know just whatever you never know what's going to happen the next day or that day and and then for the amount of money they get paid like i mean i don't know i'm not an expert at it i think it's like that would be a great you should get a cop in here for your next podcast and find out what it's like uh um or he's somebody that got beat up by a cop and then nothing happened. You know, there's, a, I'd love to hear that person's story. Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't think I have, I, don't, I can't pretend to speak from a, a, a position of expertise on that. No. Other than what I read, you know, what I've shared already. Yeah. I think it goes, I mean, not to sim- oversimplify things, just like teamwork, you know, it, it, it obviously it's like, is it me versus you or is it me and you, mm-hmm. you know, is it, is it, I'm glad you caught that wave or is it fuck you took my wave? Right. Right. So like, is the, is the officer making enough, you know, being a good example, teaching his, his newer hirees like, Hey, like be this way. Or are we just going out there getting tickets and, you know, making bad decisions. And then it's only a matter of time till you're caught on tape. Again, it's just a numbers game. There's so many officers, so many people out there, Mm -hmm. you know, and the population's booming that I guess just, more of that shit's going to happen. I mean, it'd be great to, I don't know. I hope not. I mean, I hope, I hope that George Floyd, um, his, his death and the, and the delivery of justice there is a blueprint for how policing needs to change and the application of justice needs to change. You know, if that, if it's like we can, if that's the prototype and then we can put that into practice, there's going to be a, a more effective police presence and less people getting killed by by racists. I mean, that needs to happen. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, so again, so- you've been you're listening to Into the Blue Zone. This is a plant based production, and we've been going for about fifty minutes, Andy. And I don't want to keep you too long. I do want to talk a little bit longer. How you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. You want to talk about Nixon starting a business? Anybody out there want to start a business? You want to talk about that or you want to? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've loved where the conversation's gone. I am starting a business. I'm doing a one man band operation with, you know, very little expenses. And I did just get a MacBook Pro. So that was a big move. Mm-hmm. And I have gotten, you know, some jerseys framed and trying to slowly get all the podcasts podcast equipment going uh, i think the next step is getting like a live website going mm-hmm. and and then just keep the content going and get it on the website i have all these ideas in my head and you know just doing it all by yourself it takes a lot of time because mm-hmm. there's not you know 
I'm every day. I'm not like, Oh man, what else could I do with this? Coaching right. volleyball, trying to work out. It's just, um, I like life and I like doing a lot of things and yeah. I mean, what, what tip do you have? I mean, you're on the podcast. I have like an Instagram page. I am certified in plant-based nutrition for the listeners out there. What I'm trying to do is make the world a better place through nutrition. I want to teach kids and adults, if not, you know, maybe grand grandparents too, because, Mm -hmm. you know, they were fibbed early. Like, Hey, we need to be eating this way. In my mind, doesn't matter who you are, girl, guy, old or young, we need to be eating this way. And this way is plant-based as much plant-based food as possible, not vegan. It's really hard to do that because the culture we're in, it's, you know, in theory, not that hard if we were farming a certain way and, you know, being raised a a different way, all that stuff. It's just what tip do you have, you know, for me moving forward, any suggestions? And then I have, you know, a challenge for you. Okay. Well, I think, I think there's two things. One is a sort of like the, you know, think of it this way, acute and chronic, right? Chronic, what could you be doing all the time? Acute, sort of like, what do you, what's happening just right now? And the start of something is, uh, um, or at least in my, my experience starting, starting Nixon, it was sort of like the thrill of the unknown. Like you don't know exactly how things are going to go. Um, and in being able to embrace that and be be motivated by that instead of instead of uh, you know obstructed by that and have that be something that's standing in your way or being a detractor of it, but being a sort of fuel for getting it going. Um, does, if that makes any sense, it's sort of like so. It's like yeah, it's like as as much as as uh, using the challenge of uh, starting something and not knowing what it is as a motivator and a source of energy. Uh, versus reasons why you can't do something. Um, the second thing, that's the acute thing, the, the chronic thing is sort of like, man, if you want to get good at anything, you just got to do it all the time, you know, and and be constantly learning, right? And this is the Ma- Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours, something, mm-hmm. you know, thing. It's like, well, you know, this, this podcast is going to be, you know, one tenth as good as your hundredth podcast, right? Yep. And that's okay, and that's yeah. and that's the way it works, start from right? Somewhere where you got and you just gotta if you want to be good at something, you just gotta do it all the time. Yeah, uh, and that's the chronic piece. It's sort of like it, and the take your little victories while you can, um, and it, being in business and having a business for over twenty years, it's sort of that thing is constantly changing. And if I was trying to like just calm it down and make it stable and just have it you know, perform, you you know, I would never be satisfied because it doesn't ever do that. It doesn't ever get stable and calm down <laughs> and just sit there and perform. It's always changing. The world's changing. The people are changing. Competitors are changing. You know, supply chains and logistics are changing. Like freaking tariffs are changing. Everything's changing. And the, the, it, the satisfaction needs to come from that instead of cool. I've got it figured out and it's on autopilot and I can, just chill. It's like the satisfaction has to come from being able to deal with that ambiguity and kind of embrace the the chaotic nature of it because it's not. It's always got to change. Yeah, my first episode was change was like a a focus. Like you know, for the podcast, you could wave. I don't know if anyone's watching. <laughs> I think I'm still recording. So where this is the first time I have the phone set up, um, trying to make it a little better. Yeah, and then um, yeah, I think I think change is is so important and, um, you know, just embracing change. Everything's always changing. How about your diet? 
how's your diet looking? Because like every vegan and plant-based person, we probably not like every, because that's totally false. Cause there's some guys and gals who are plant-based from when they're born because mm-hmm. of their parents. I was once a huge meat eater and now I'm learning how to breathe through my nose. I'm learning mm-hmm. how, cl- what cholesterol looks like. You know, they don't teach you all these important things in, in college and high school. Right. You just learn them from life. And, uh, I'm learning like, Hey, how, how are you doing with, with your eating? I know you don't eat any French fries, right? No, I haven't had French fries in over two years. Um, that's impressive because I remember eating French fries every day and totally addicted to French fries in like middle school, elementary school, oh, high yeah. school. I mean, they just fed us chocolate milk and French fries and cookies. Well, I mean, so I've had two experiences with both with my cardiologist and as I'm getting older, like she's like, look, your blood pressure is way too high and we need to put you on meds. I'm like, wait, 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 don't you do diet and exercise first? And she's like, yeah, no, people just want a pill. <laughs> they just want a pill and have it go away. I'm like, no, no, give me six months. What do I do? And so she gave me something called the DASH diet, which isn't vegan. It's not veggie. It's uh, not entirely plant-based, but it's, it's. I, you know, more balanced than French fries and beer. Uh, and so I followed that and six months later, my blood pressure was better. So it's full on, you know, forks over knives thing. It, yeah. The medicine, food is medicine. There it is. Right. So I learned that through my, uh, uh, blood pressure and, and she said like, don't eat French fries. Like that's your nemesis right there. I mean, it's like, it's fat, it's all, it's not a lot of caloric value like or, or nutritional value for the calories. So just stop eating those. And so I did. Um, and the second episode was like, Hey, your LDL is like over a hundred. It needs to be under 70. So I'm going to put you on this, this, this drug. At the same time, I was dating this vegan girl who was an, a phenomenal cook. And I'm like, wait, this is really good. Like, I'm not doing this for health benefits. I'm doing this for taste. Like, like the way that she cooked, like, uh, uh, we we had a Super Bowl party and like she made all these these awesome things for the Super Bowl party, which is normally like you know Doritos and Doritos yeah. wrapped in a Dorito, stuffed in a Dorito, and she made all this great stuff. I'm like, this is all vegan. You gotta be kidding me. It tasted great, and lo and behold, like my LDL went from like 100 to 40 with the medicine and the diet, sort of marginal diet change too. Uh, and so I got off the medicine and it's all under control. So I've had like quantifiable results seen, you know, which I think a lot of people don't, it's really hard to know your body, right? I think it's hard. People are like, I don't know why I feel kind of weird. Like, I don't know if, what it is to feel good. And so for me, at least, again, maybe it's my technical background, but I really appreciated the quantifiable results. Like your, your blood pressure's here. Now it's there. I'm like, wow, this stuff works. That proved it to me, right? I wasn't as in tune with, with my energy level or, or anything else. It was like, I kind of needed to see a number. I think other people are more in tune with that. And they're like, I just feel better. You know? Yeah, if you never make that change, and then if you do make the change and you don't try it for long enough, like if you don't ever drastically change your diet, you won't know what your poop looks like. You won't know how you feel. You won't know what's a healthy weight. I feel like people just don't change, and they, you know, we talk about progress and change. Yeah. You know, the Western medicine, like just take a pill. We want a short fix, vaccine this, vaccine yeah. that. I think, yeah, like we need to like educate our our doctors. Um, and, and give them more nutrition courses. And then people need to have some more um, understanding of like common sense. Like if you're eating shit and you don't know it's shit, that's just how you were raised. Yeah. Hopefully you do know that the sad diet, the standard American diet is pizzas and burgers and hot dogs, hot dogs and like chicken and chicken wings. That's killing us. And even like high quality stuff, if you eat it for 50, 60 years, it's, 
you know, mixed in with genes and your lifestyle. It's not just one thing. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of it though. The diet, if you never make the change, you'll never know how you feel. And for me, like I made this change and I was like, wow, I feel great. Never going back. This is like the best kept secret ever. Yeah. And I'm like, holy smokes. Like no one knows how to breathe in and out through their nose. And then no one knows how to eat well. You know, majority, like I think it's like one or 2% of people are like vegan or plant-based. I mean, Mm. It's like holy smokes! Like it's out of control. So, well, and, the ch- and talk about change. One more thing about that is is so my brother was diagnosed with prostate cancer, and he changed to a hundred percent plant based diet. Um, and uh, you know, it's faced with this sort of life or death kind of situation. It's like there's a revolutionary change that needs to happen now. I, my and I had you know health issues, but not sort of like you know life or death in the immediacy of it. Like you're going to die ultimately with a lot of high blood pressure, but not tomorrow. Um, so my experience with change was very much more evolutionary, like very marginal change. Like, okay, well, if every decision I make on what I eat isn't a wholesale you know, change in my diet and I don't take everything out of my fridge and put everything back in with new stuff, but like change one little thing at a time over time, Right. And then it's like, holy crap, I'm eating completely different than I was six months ago. But not, I don't think I could handle the overnight thing. Yeah. I mean, you're an uh, engineer. Like just little changes to yeah, the program. People hate change. Keep, you, like you talked about, always trying to make the system better. Yeah. Is what you like, the chronic. Right. Right. That's yeah. the chronic you talked about, not the, not the ganja. Not the, the, chronic, the, chronic, <laughs> the chronic, though. Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. The guy who I had on was a coach last episode. Um, and he was like, well, what happens if I really like the taste of meat? And you said you had a girlfriend who made you dinner and you were like, well, this is tastes good. Yeah. And then I told him like, all right, like I agree. Meat tastes good, like good quality cut of filet or whatever. And I'm like, well, have you tried all the foods out there? Like, have you tried eating good vegan food and whatnot? Like it tastes good too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, try new foods first. Yeah. Try it for a, a sustainable time. Like I said, six months. And then if you want to go back to eating some meat, do it. Mm-hmm. Just like give it a try. So here's my challenge to you. Okay. You and your family once a week go full like plant-based vegan. Once a week? Once three, a week. Three meals a day. No. What, you, how about – Well, I mean, it's, 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 You, you, really you have, should start at like two days. No, I think just one day. dinner. You said <laughs> – All right. So we talked and your tradition was you guys have a pizza dinner. Pizza night. So we're Every not, Sunday. we're not going to take – we're not going to make it a veggie, no cheese pizza. You're going to keep your pizza night. Yep. Okay. Okay. So then Sunday night comes around and then you're like – Man, we feel like shit. We're gonna we're gonna go plant based Monday, <laughs> or or like Friday. We're gonna be like, hey, it's the weekend. Whatever day mm-hmm. it is, that's not Sunday. Maybe just one meal. You know, kind of going off your your pizza. I challenge you and your family. There's there's three three right three kids and me, yeah. Drew, and then your two daughters. Mm-hmm. Okay, I challenge all four of you to have one meal together. If you can, if you're together, yeah, once a week. That's plant based. Yeah. Do you do that? All, all four of you? Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. I mean, we. T- I mean, I think they're more open to it than I am. Right? It's like, especially living around here. Yeah, it's the time. Of, it's the time right now. You could feel it moving here. Yeah, and like uh, all the girls. I mean, you have two daughters. Yeah, so they're in tune with it, probably mm-hmm. more so than Drew. I think a yeah. little bit more of the female kind of. Anyways, maybe yeah, maybe I don't know if long gender lines are to be, but, I, but yeah. it's it's certainly it is uh it's 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 more available 
Okay. Right. Yeah, and it's, totally. and there is a fashion component to it, not just health component, but fashion yep. sort of like, yep, yep. you know, there's kind of to, to claim it's like, oh, yeah, I'm this. Um, yeah. I get that. And I, I think we've, we've tried that. They've pushed me for that. And so we'll do, we'll, I mean, it's probably pretty easy too, if you think about it. It's, if well, you, if they're on board, then it's just you and you're open to small changes. So well, one day did, a week, it seems like a I made them, slam dunk. I made them this vegan chili. Okay. Right. Um, with, I think it was, it was whatever, you know, meat meatless meat you yeah. can get from yeah, Jimbo's because yeah. they don't have beyond or impossible yeah, meat yeah. at Jimbo's okay. for whatever reason. Maybe you know, I don't know, but they don't have it. They, whatever, but I got a pound or whatever they did have and I make them chili, right? Totally, okay, so totally vegan chili. We I'm going to go one step further. It's got to be plant-based. And what I but, mean is no fake meat. But because it, fake, fake meat's plant-based, isn't it? Totally right. The thing is I get like, oh, well, Someone, right? There's always two sides to the argument Mm -hmm. and it's always a great debate and we're not having this debate. It's more, we're having the kind of like inspirational, like, all right, we're going to go plant-based because people are like, well, the fake meat's not good for you. Mm. And there's, there's multiple pillars to why I'm like plant-based. It's like environment, health, disease prevention, you know, animals. Mm -hmm. It's not just the animals. It's not just fitness and disease. There's, there's multiple components. This component with the fake meat is it's great for the environment and it's great for the animals. Mm-hmm. It's not good for your health. Yeah. So like, I'm not like, sure, I have it. I don't really buy it. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about the vegan chili with the fake meat. Try to take it one step further in this one meal. Yeah. And it, it can't be like the fake meat. Okay. Because, you know, it's not, that's not quite the direction we want to go in. Okay. Challenge accepted. Like it's, it's, it's totally a step in the right direction. So maybe you do that one day a week and then go plant-based. Yeah. Or, or it rotates. It's totally one step in the right direction. I think like do – how about this? Do the vegan chili except look up like a plant-based recipe with like mushrooms and beans mm-hmm. and, and peppers and onions. And like – I mean just do mushrooms. Yeah. Mushroom meat and like mushrooms. It's like this fungus. It's the real deal. <laughs> it's like I heard it's good for your immune system and all this stuff. And I used yeah. to hate mushrooms. Like yeah. really did not like mushrooms. And now I'm like chopping it up. So maybe do the chili and do, do mushrooms. You know, with some seasoning, chop it up real fine instead of the fake meat because the fake meat's not good for us. It's it's probably just as bad as the fake meat hmm. from McDonald's. Yeah, I don't I don't even know what's in the Plant Power I had last night. Plant Power is a vegan yeah. fast food restaurant, and yeah. I had I actually had a black bean burger because I didn't want to get the Impossible meat. Yeah, because it's totally fake too. So yeah. go the plant based way. Okay, I think there's a big gray area, mm-hmm. and like the vegan dude, it's hard to be plant based all the time. We're just you're just always against the grain. Like mm-hmm. it's hard to not have processed food. Plant-based is basically raw foods that grow in the ground, fruits, vegetables, grains, legumes, all that stuff. And you know, the fake meat is, is not the direction we want to go in. It's a step in the right direction. Got it. Um, I just I'm, think you're way ahead of the curve with everything. So, but also I'd learned something just right now. It's like, Oh wow. There are different reasons to go, to go away from meat and, and not all four. You get, getting all four, getting the grand slam. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know? Like that's okay. So my parents, um, last, last little bit here. So my parents, um, watched a documentary that I watched a month after I went plant-based at my brother's wedding and they changed their order right away. And they're doing it because their age for more like disease prevention. Mm-hmm. Like my family's had cancer and we, we just haven't had the best of health, even though we kind of grew up healthy, like my immediate family and parents. So they're doing it like disease for prevention, like mm-hmm. cholesterol, not just weight loss, like cancer stuff. We actually have cancer genes in us. Like all of us are mm-hmm. born with cancer genes. And every time we eat, 
we could we could inflame and express those cancer genes higher or we could decrease them mm-hmm. and like all the the fruits and stuff all the natural foods like obviously decrease your cancer genes so i think we created cancer through um poor food more so than genes like a lot more like mm-hmm. genes p- play a little toll the amount of food you eat after 50 60 years mm-hmm. it catches up to you in that age age range and you know it's a lot of food it's yeah. a lot of you know turning on those cancer expression genes so anyways the the disease prevention pillar. I'm going to call them pillars Mm -hmm. because I picture this like awesome Coliseum type building, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like disease prevention is one. The animals is another. Mm -hmm. I do have some leather. Like I'm definitely not perfect plant-based guy. Mm -hmm. Like leather is a good product. And like, Mm -hmm. it's very, um, sentimental to me. Mm -hmm. Like I, 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 it's like a prized possession. Like I have some gloves, some shoes, a belt, um, kind of spiritual, I guess just my way of rationalizing. Okay. So you got you got the animals and and then you got the disease prevention and then the environment. Mm-hmm. And the environment's such a big one where like the fake meat is way better than all the the agriculture farming that's going on with all the greenhouse gas emissions and all the shit that's getting pumped into these towns in North Carolina from like the pig farms. Like it's a gross world and mm-hmm. and you watch some documentaries and like they're so protective of people going in to like pig farmhouses and, and cattle farmhouses like you never see that stuff mm-hmm. because people will like shoot at you <laughs> like the yeah the farmers and then like that that world is like a sketchy world mm-hmm. and it's really hard to get like videotapes in there oh wow yeah like you'll there's some documentaries i've seen probably 10 documentaries or so on on all the netflix s- stations and whatnot and like there's a couple like hardcore minutes there and some of them you're like jeez like yeah you never see it like you wow. just you never see it as a kid you never see it as an adult yeah and it's not just the slaughtering it's like trying to just get into what's going on and mm-hmm. you know the amount of animals that are packed into this little area that are being fed gross stuff like the more you dive into it i don't know it's like once i went vegan and plant-based i was like wow this yeah, is a win 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 like right. this is the best kept secret man, we're fucking up. Like, mm-hmm. holy shit. Like, it's such an easy fix in my mind. It's just, you know, trying it and then spreading the good vibrations. And um, it's like, you know, farming and, and just being more in tune with what you're eating. And mm-hmm. then going back to feeling good, like you get a good pair of underwear on with a good pair of socks and shoes and you're like eating good. And you feel great all the time. I mean, I, I work out a ton and I am way less sore yeah. from eating clean, like the anti-inflammation. Um, the number one thing when you stop eating meat is your inflammation goes down. Hmm. So that's soreness. Yeah, That's swelling. Whatever it is, you're a weightlifter, you're a runner, you're a surfer, you're just less sore. So there's the challenge to you. Okay. One day a week, your fam, plant-based. Okay, I'm on. I'm and then in. we're going to follow up. And whether we get you back on the show again or we just talk or go for a surf, which would probably be the most fun. Mm-hmm. Um Besides heli skiing, yeah, that that sounds like heli skiing and then surfing. Um, although it would be cool to like, what could you do that's like heli skiing and surfing? Can you take like a surfboard, strap it to your shoes, like a you know, do well, the what what's the bindings of a, a snowboard? Mm-hmm. Put it on the surfboard, jump out of a plane, and then catch a wave. Yeah, we could. I'm sure somebody's tried that. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Cool. Right on, man. Well, thanks for having me, Andy. Thank learned, you so much. Learned a bunch. And- Yeah, I'm looking forward to catching back up. Again, you've been listening to Into the Blue Zone, a plant-based production. I hope all of you have a wonderful evening. Thank you for listening.